Hello, my mutts. Surprise, we are back again. The Cadaver Dogs are here with another mini-sode. I'm Devin Shepard. And I'm David B. Jacobs. And as I said, we are the Cadaver Dogs. And today we are coming at you with a guest on our mini-sode, again with the top three rankings. We have Austin Torres from the Would You Die podcast, who is also a horror filmmaker just like us. So we're going to get real nerdy this episode. I'm very excited. Austin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, we're so happy to have you again. Like I said, we're going to get down and nerdy because you um, are also a filmmaker. Yeah, I uh, I have a film going through like the Midwest film festival circuit, I guess you can say. It's called Ice Scream. It's exactly what it sounds like. A demonic ice cream truck uh, stalking a poor girl. Everything you want from a movie called Ice Scream. (laughs) This is so up my alley. I don't think you understand my obsession with ice cream on top of my obsession with horror. And the fact that it stars a female is even better. I will want to be her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, watch the movie. Maybe not. (laughs) It's a pretty, uh, it's a, I think it's gnarly, but I don't know. Are we allowed to say our own films are gnarly? (laughs) yeah yeah of course you can you're supposed to yeah i think i think so um we shot it last year and then it premiered in april and it's going through the different uh horror festivals in the midwest area so i'm really really proud of it um at the time of recording i'm going to uh, the motor city nightmare in novi which i think this episode is going to come out after so if you have a delorean you can go check out uh Ice cream at at this uh, convention, Motor City Nightmare Convention. But I'm super excited. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be fun. And then I just finished an Indiegogo campaign for my next short film. It's called Spider. I'm really digging deep into my personal arachnophobia for this one. <laughs> oh, David! David is feeling the bond right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, fellow uh, arachnophobe. I, I had very hardcore arachnophobia growing up. So. Um, Same here. Same here. (laughs) I don't know if your experience is like mine, but when I was growing up, I loved monster movies. So there is this film coming out. I was like seven or eight at the time. It's called Eight-Legged Freaks. And I begged my mom to go. And she's like, no, I don't want to take you to this movie. You're not going to like it. But I begged and I begged. So finally, she was like, you know what? Fine. I'll take you. But you have to watch the whole thing. And I said, no problem. And I was so scared. (laughs) <laughs> I I was so scared. I had I I blame that movie for giving me arachnophobia. <laughs> I used to have like zoo books. If you guys remember those, yes. Things. Oh my oh, god, the I, best. I had one. I think with spiders on it, and I used to read that one a lot. Not after that movie. <laughs> nope, I never touched it again. <laughs> I will never watch that movie or arachnophobia. I'll never watch either of them. No. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Was that your first foray into horror? Were you a horror fan before that? Um, I was a horror fan that didn't know I was a horror fan, if that makes sense. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, David David bonding with you there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's nodding I've his always, head. Yeah. I've always been a monster fan. 
But um, it wasn't until high school when I saw Scream for the first time where I was like, you know what? I think I am a horror fan. I think I like this stuff. I didn't realize it until then. Also same. <laughs> yeah, you guys have the same story. I'm like freaking out now. <laughs> I love it. I know this is an audio podcast, but I can see that American Werewolf uh, in London poster behind you, David. Yes, indeed. That's what that's one of the most influential films for me too. So I love I, that movie. <laughs> I saw a screening a couple weeks ago with a Q and A by Griffin Dunn after after the screening. It was really cool. I'm so jealous. <laughs> so jealous. I like canceled all my plans. So I'm like, no, I've got to go see the screening now. <laughs> Griffin Dunn is going to be there. I would do the same thing. Like, believe you me. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I also have to point out, Austin, I see your ghost face. I, you can't see. I have a Scream 4 and a stab behind me as well. <gasps> I love Scream. Definitely my favorite slasher series. And uh, honestly, just one of my favorite movies. Like, I'd, I'd say Scream is... Uh, and first off, Scream 4 was the first slasher I saw in theaters. Oh, so my Scream gosh. Scream 4 will always oh. have a special place in my heart. I think you're right. Yeah, I think same. Wait. You too? Maybe. Maybe. I think mine now, was your now next. I'm trying to think what? Mine was your next, I think. I missed your next in theaters. It depends on yeah, definition of a slasher. Hmm. That's true. There no. I, I had there had to have been like a like a sorority row kind of like big studio girls running in bikinis film. Not maybe for me. Or, not, Rob Zombie. Halloween was before Scream Four. I don't know. Uh, Rob Zombie Halloween was before Scream Four. Scream Four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. take I take my back. I did not see that movie in theaters. I was in middle school and too scared. Yeah, I didn't see it in theaters <laughs> either. Thankfully, but Scream Four I did, and I loved it. I'll I'll never forget seeing that movie in theaters. Um, can you let us know a little bit about your podcast? We listened. We love it. It's another one that like Aww. has such a good horror community around it, and is doing. So well for like just showing how great the horror community is because we can self humble brag. That's a thing, right? That's a thing. Um, <laughs> you guys, you guys have to be on my show soon. We got to do the other half of the crossover soon. But yeah, what do you die is that's my little podcast. Um, I started that February of 2022, and what what we do on what I do on that what we it me what i do on that show is i get a guest every week and we talk about their favorite horror monster and villain why we love that character so for example let's say my guest of the day was who's a random person jeff goldblum and he's like you know i really dig the xenomorph from alien i'd be like great taste that's my favorite monster but we'll talk (laughs) about why he loves why we love alien why a like why the xenomorph scares us depending on the guest like some guests will take a more academic approach to like like the meaning behind samara coming out of the tv and what that meant for the millennial generation why after watching scream we don't like answering the phone stuff like that (laughs) and then i'll also have some people that are more casual where like I had someone talk. This is one of my favorite episodes, but I had someone come on to talk about uh, Jason Voorhees and it turned into a fuck, Mary kill with uh, Jason, Michael and Freddie. Oh, my God. But yeah, it's a really fun show. And I think I think my favorite thing about doing the Would You Die podcast is I get to talk to horror, horror creatives, horror fans, like just all kinds of filmmakers, artists, writers, podcasters, musicians, actors, just anyone that has something artsy to do or they're just a fan. Like I've talked to teachers. I've talked to all sorts of people. We just love horror and everyone. We all have our own experiences with these incredible characters and monsters. And it 
that's what keeps the podcast fun for me. That's so cool. What? Who's been some of your favorite guests, or what's been a, a favorite episode of yours? Um, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to say favorite guest because I don't want <laughs> other people to feel bad. But I do have to say my most recurring guest, um, his name is Bobby Torres. No relation. He is the best. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called Bobby Likes It Spooky. And he has a couple of podcasts, The People Under the Scares. He's been on my show six times. So I feel obligated to shout out my homie, but I've had a lot of really cool people. As far as episodes, I did a, I'm really proud of, I call it the Spartans in Horror special. I went to Michigan State University and we had a tragedy earlier this year. So I wanted to do something to celebrate the Spartan community. And I waited a few months because horror is not always the best thing to celebrate after tragic situations. But I was able to talk to a filmmaker, Brett Miller. Um, He went to Michigan State with me, one of my professors, Bill Vincent. A friend of mine, uh, she's an actress. Her name is Betsy Baker. She was in The Evil Dead. So she has that state connection. And she went to state. And then an author who we're friends now out of the blue, his name's Josh Mallerman. And he, um, I think he's best known for writing Bird Box. But we are all Michigan State grads. And I think that that would be my favorite episode because we were able to celebrate not just the horror community, but also the Spartan community as well. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I mean, yeah, the the community that's really strong um, in horror is is always yeah. what I tend to love most about it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get lead us into our, our main discussion for today, but we will link your show and where people can find you in the show notes. But for now, I think a lot of what you were saying is actually going to cross over into our topic today, which is debatable, questionable horror movies that we love that may not have been marketed as horror movies, but we can argue them as horror movies. It's a very vague question, but I think yeah. one that's going to lead to... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of really interesting conversation, and I feel like a conversation that is constantly ongoing in the community. If that wasn't clear to any of our listeners, you'll figure it out when we get into it. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting one because there's like different ways you can take it. Like you can list just your favorites of that category, or you can go with the most outlandish picks that you can think of, which is what I did. <laughs> oh fuck yes yeah i just went okay. completely like no one considers this horror but i think it's horror <laughs> i went with the ones i have to argue like i have to defend their honor the most nice <laughs> perfect so, i'm aiming for this to be the final time i know it won't be but i can dream but the final time i have to argue my points on these like this is the definitive <laughs> why these are why the debate is they are horror but at the same time i i get counterpoint i guess <laughs> <laughs> we'll start us off starting with your number three what is your third favorite likable debatable horror film so third one was really tricky because the first two were really easy i have those ones a bunch so the third one i had a really really hard time narrowing it down and but eventually i settled on the 1954 um japanese the original godzilla nice oh fuck yeah we covered it <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. main episodes. yeah <laughs> we did godzilla and the incredible shrinking man was an episode that we recorded uh Ooh, early yeah. in february and we were talking about the fallout for both America and Japan from the atomic bomb. So obviously I agree that that is a horror movie, but make your <laughs> argument. 
I think with Godzilla, I think what makes it a horror movie is when you watch that original film, it's such a somber picture. Like, it's not a lot of fun. It's definitely not like the 70s movies where Godzilla and Mothra are teaming up to suplex King Ghidorah. And I love those movies, too. But... The original one, you could tell the atomic bombings were weighing super heavily on that nation at as it should. That that's an atrocity. I, I could be wrong on the history, but if I remember correctly, they couldn't really talk about it. They couldn't really express their their pain because I guess they made a deal with the United States not to retaliate retaliate so they didn't want any negative u.s things going out there and one of the ways they were able to process their grief and their pain and their anger was by making art and making film and i think godzilla is probably the shining example of um what comes from something so horrible happening yeah Um, the first film you know to elaborate on that it was they weren't allowed to discuss it there's basically a lot of censorship while America occupied Japan for several years gotcha. after the war. And I think that American occupation ended in, I want to say 1952, but I could be a, a year or two off on that. Uh, so okay. Godzilla was one of the first movies to be released uh, after that censorship had ended. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause I'm like, I know I got, I know I got some of these details wrong. <laughs> But yeah, I think Godzilla, I think it explores themes that are common in horror, like death and grief. There's also a lot of science fiction elements that I feel like science fiction and horror just kind of come together a lot. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, something we always come back to, I think, in most episodes is Frankenstein. I mean, known as one of the first horror novels is also sci-fi um and it is you know a creature it is a creator and i think regardless that creature does feed in and metaphor does creep into to most monster films if not all godzilla being one for sure i think one of the reasons why godzilla probably doesn't keep his horror cred although if you go to a horror convention you'll see godzilla and like king kong Got to shout yeah. out the other homie because they're monsters and monsters should always be welcome at those type of things. But I think the argument against Godzilla being horror is there's, I think, over 30 movies now and a lot of them are not. <laughs> it's really just the first one. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. There's a lot of action and yeah, people, I don't know, sometimes can get territorial around sci-fi and versus horror. Yeah. I feel. <laughs> But sci-fi is not like, like it's a different type of genre. Like horror is a genre about mood and tone. And sci-fi is a genre about the setting. Like sci-fi horror is a very easy crossover. They're totally. describing yeah. different aspects of a movie. So it, they're, they're not exclusive in any way. Totally. Uh, David, what was your number three? So like I said, I went with a movie that I've never heard anyone refer to as horror, but uh, watching it again a few months ago, I just like think this is a horror movie. And that is 1944 Shadow of a Doubt by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh my God, David, that was, it almost made my list. I swear to God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. I was not expecting that. I love that movie. (laughs) um so for those of you who haven't seen that this is uh it it's like one of the few suburban hitchcock movies i think and one of the few suburban film noirs of that era and it's uh teresa wright plays a a young woman who very much idolizes her uncle who we are made to suspect very early on 
has some sort of dark secret. And it, it it's they're both named Charlie. Like she's literally named after him. And it's just her gradually coming to realize that there is something off about her uncle. And it is this this paranoia around someone who you think you know so well, someone who you you see as a family member who you who you love and realizing that even they could be a danger. And it, it's it's really fucking good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my number three is also like in the same realm. And I, I'm glad that your number three was as well, because I did want to talk about that, like 1940s, 1950s Hitchcock thriller suspense, because uh, it usually we always like look at Alfred Hitchcock as a horror guy. But I mean, yeah. like of the time, it's interesting to see how horrors evolved and if we should count suspense and thriller films as part of the horror genre are they a different genre where do they cross over and i think something like shadow of a doubt or other hitchcock films really do toe that line a lot yeah it's it doesn't fit in with the horror conventions of that time like of that time the horror movies were the wolf man or uh house of dracula or whatever like they were all the monster movies they were all supernatural or science fiction they 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 weren't too much interested yet in the horror of reality and yet shadow of a doubt very easily fits into i mean it's not a slasher so it's not quite like a halloween type of world but it it is fitting into it it, it is dissecting the horror of the suburbia of america in this way that the monster movies weren't quite getting at yet and it it feels like if it had come out 30 years later then it would be just be considered a horror movie full stop but it's not because it's not that's not the era it came out in it came out in a time when that was weren't in the horror conventions. So um, I'll retract having previously said that Psych When the Birds were Hitchcock's only horror movies because shut up and out, man. <laughs> and I wonder if maybe Hitchcock's later films kind of overshadow, pun not intended, but it is now, um, <laughs> overshadowed Shadow of the Doubt a little bit. Because like when a lot of us think of Hitchcock, we think of Psycho, we think of Vertigo, mm-hmm. which Vertigo has some heavy horror elements, I'd argue. I think it's a lot of other genres, but there's some scary shit in Vertigo. But anyways, I think Shadow of the Doubt gets a little bit forgotten, unless you're a nerd with us. Hitchcock himself <laughs> said Shadow of a Doubt was his favorite of his own movies. I can't argue with him. He has great taste. <laughs> has is it is taste. it my favorite? I don't know if it's I don't know if it's my f- favorite but it's up there it's for me it's top three hitchcock i don't know if i could pick a favorite at this moment i can't pick a favorite either there's there's too many to choose between but yeah definitely up there yeah that alfred guy had some bangers (laughs) (laughs) i think you're so right david i it is it is really interesting looking back on these films and comparing them today because i think some of the most beloved horror films that are being made now are more of those psychological societal commentaries that are yeah if you look at them in comparison are not very far from things like shadow of a doubt and i'll i'll say so my number three was 1948's sorry wrong number which is i have not seen it oh neither have i is also a suspense thriller (laughs) surprise surprise it is based off of uh, a old radio play that was like my favorite radio play growing up but it's basically all takes place over a single night um it's a woman well not the film basically it's about a woman 
who gets on the phone and um, overhears a conversation about two men who are planning to murder somebody. And then the mystery starts to unravel and there are some twists and turns and it is all just like built upon and supported through this single woman's performance as she, it's another one of those like woman gone crazy kind of stories. But what makes the film so powerful is that you really feel how terrified she is and how gaslit she is and how angry she is at the world. And it's one of those things where, especially in the 40s, a woman can relate to just the fears of society, you know, not believing her or feeling like she can't do anything because she's a woman. Um, So again, all these things that are commenting on society at the time that is, you know, scary, but not necessarily considered a horror film for that day. Sounds very Gaslight-esque. It's very Gaslight-esque, yes. <laughs> Sounds really, really interesting, though. Like, I I gotta add that to the watch list. It's so it's good. If you watch. like Dial M for Murder, it's similar, but different. Cool, cool. <laughs> I dig it. Black and white? What's that? Black and white? Yes, yes. Perfect. I, love I think so. Movies. Do you ever, like, think of a movie from that time and you're like, wait, Am I imagining that it's black and white just because it's from the 40s? <laughs> yes. I have yes. had that frequently when I've looked at a movie and been like, I thought this was black and white, but it is not. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is def- I can't remember which ones now, but I know that's happened to me like several times. Where I, like, that fucked yeah. me up at Christmas time because I, I went to put on It's a Wonderful Life on, um, and I found it on Amazon, but I accidentally found the color version. Oh, what? Wow. That was back when um, <laughs> I think it was Ted Warner. Uh, he had a phase where he just wanted to color all the classics like Casablanca and stuff like that. And, you know, just ruined my heart. But <laughs> I accidentally clicked on that version of It's a Wonderful Life and it it devastated me. I'm still traumatized from it, to be perfectly honest. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry because you just saying that like a colored Casablanca. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Life. Well, you know, the, uh, life. the director of Casablanca, Michael Curtiz, directed several horror movies, which were also some of the first color movies. Ooh. With uh, he, he did in the same year, Dr. X and Mystery at the Wax Museum, which is the original House of Wax. That uh, one's he, so he good. He did those with like pretty much the same cast in both movies. They're both really corny and fun. And like totally recommend them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were in color. They were two-tone color, which makes it feel more exaggerated. Like it it feels more like a black and white movie in color. <laughs> um, it's really cool. I dig I it. definitely recommend. I was going to say, I would argue Caligari might also be considered color, question mark. Not Technicolor, but yes, I know what you mean. Yes. Um, <laughs> if we're counting that, then like there were a million colored movies in the silent era. <laughs> Just say also a horror film. <laughs> All right, Austin, what was your number two? So my number two is was much easier for me uh, <laughs> to pick because this one, this one's not necessarily one I have to argue. It's just always left out. And I don't understand. It's one of those ones where it's like, hey, is this film a horror movie? People are like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I don't really get the argument. But it's never it's never featured on the great films of the 80s, which it is. It's never featured on the best scary monsters, which it is. It's an iconic film. Everyone knows it. And I just wish more people recognized it for the horror greatness that it is. And that is a 1987 just balls to the wall all the testosterone in the world packed into one film, it's Predator. 
Oh, oh I thought you were going to say Terminator. And then he was in 1987, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was all that lead up. I was expecting it to be Terminator. <laughs> they both have they both have uh, Arnold. So they do. <laughs> I have never but, seen yeah. Predator. Well, I hope I didn't over and or undersell it, depending on how you <laughs> liked my introduction. I will say you're it. you're selling me on it to the point where like, oh, it's been on my list, but now I'm like, okay, now I have to go see this movie now, <laughs> like tonight. <laughs> it is everything you want from an eighty like it's basically Commando meets Friday the thirteenth. Oh wait, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> Do people argue that it's not because it's actiony or what's the what's the counter here? I don't think it's more that people argue it isn't. I just think that people never say it is. Yeah, that's fair. I think Predator scared a lot of us while we were growing up. If we watched it at a certain age, I think like like what really irked me was I was sorting movies on Letterboxd because I'm a nerd. And when I was sorting them by horror, I realized Predator wasn't there. I'm like, what the fuck, Letterboxd? Oh, yeah. It's Maybe like it's because that. it's they're all military, so they can theoretically defend themselves. It, it falls into the same camp as I Aliens mean, for me, where it's definitely action horror. Like, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, none of these movies are going to be pure horror. They're always going to be horror and something else, everything or less. Yeah, right. it's, def- it's definitely action horror. And I, I guess the action element is probably what holds people back from counting it as horror. The same way that uh, people don't always count Aliens as horror. The sequel, Aliens, not the original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you saying that they're military and they can defend themselves? Therefore, it's not what? What's the argument there? The argument is because the military doesn't necessarily Uh, fit. The argument there would be that it 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 is more an it it is a fight. They they are fighting against this monster that is uh, more powerful than them. But that's usually the case in action movies. Like you're you're not going to count infinity war as an act, as a horror movie even though thanos is stronger than all of them i guess my argument against that would be i think predator has more of the ener- more of an energy to michael myers than he yes. does thanos cuz what predator does is he picks off the and spoiler alert if you <laughs> haven't seen predator devin um <laughs> plugging my ears but, uh, <laughs> all right good but um so Predator is kind of like Michael Myers in the sense that he's picking off this group of uh, camp counselors. I mean, army, um, <laughs> army men, one by one. Um, whereas Thanos, he just takes all the Avengers on at once um, until he's broken them apart and he can take them down one by one. The Predator, I think, operates more like Jason or Michael. He's a masked killer. We see a bunch of POV shots. And it's not until the very end where the main character, like, like I don't know, someone like Laurie Strode or Sidney Prescott, like, Laurie Strode can't really fight against Michael Myers. These commandos can't really fight against the Predator. They're just overly outmatched. Mm. But your final character finds the strength and the courage and they outwit the monster. I don't know if Lori Strode technically outwits Michael Myers as much as she just outlasts Michael Myers. She outwits but him in the sequel. Sydney Prescott outwits Ghostface. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she definitely out, especially in 2018. Especially <laughs> or even in before that, even in Halloween 2, she she has a more, more active role in defeating him in Halloween 2 and then again in H2O. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David, what was your number two? Um, Completely different 
way off the action horror. Um, <laughs> and my, I mean, my number three was in the 40s. My number two was in 2020. And that is The Father with Anthony Hopkins. Ah, uh, yes. I've, I've made this mm. argument, I think, before on the pod even. because Did I? Years okay. ago. Anthony Hopkins plays a man suffering from dementia. But what breaks it off from other movies dealing with dementia is that this one is completely from his perspective and it is fucking scary as hell um i mean i am someone who is very much afraid of dementia i think that that is like the scariest illness probably and the idea of having it is like this is what your world becomes where it's this surrealist scape where like every 15 minutes things keep changing people are played by different actors they give them completely different backstories and it, it's not in a way where it's a puzzle movie where like you've got to piece together what's going on it is outright contradicting other information that you've been given so that you will never know what's actually going on there is no way to know what's going on because he doesn't which is just fucking terrifying. Yes. I mean, that's that's just so yes. scary. Um, have you guys seen it? I did. No. I did. Some, yeah, you I did, did see, see it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, under your recommendation because of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm in the same camp. It's like if it's based in fear and it feeds to the fear, no matter what that fear is. And the only reason why we are able to explore horror in so many different genres and so many different time periods and how it's constantly changing in so many new ways is because i mean everyone is scared of something different and well, well if we ask a lot of people there's like the the you know the basis of fears but there's so much that we can do um with that you know like loss of autonomy um death etc yeah. etc yeah great movie i'll never watch it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Evan, what was your number two? Um, my number two. So I chose an Aronofsky film. I think Aronofsky is a really interesting director in that he does toe the line between horror a lot. I think a lot of his films are seen, are enjoyed by the horror community. And some of them are seen as like um, a lot of the horror community has embraced his films, but maybe not necessarily the other communities have have declared him a, a horror director. So I think he does, you know, fall between both quite a lot. I'm, and I chose one that most people wouldn't necessarily call a horror film. Uh, Requiem for a Dream. Mm. This movie just always terrified me. I think it was it was so frightening to me from the first time I watched it to every time I watched it again. I did have to like wait 10 years before I went back to it because it like shook me so hard. And it was one of those things, Austin, like you were saying at the beginning, that like it changed something in, in my real life because of the reaction that I had to the film um, in terms of like, and I don't want to like go into details, but yeah, in terms of like drugs and stuff, like you definitely going to high school and college, you're going to approach drugs at some point. Yeah, I, I have no arguments against. I think it's a deeply affecting film. Um, last time I watched it was about nine years ago, so I'm due for my rewatch, too. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, that refrigerator coming at her is is definitely something. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been so afraid of a refrigerator. Okay, but right. And also beloved horror actress, <laughs> Ellen Bernstein. Yep, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Less beloved horror actor, Jared Leto, <laughs> best known Morbius. for... Um, urban legend. That's what I said. Morbius. It's Morbius, a horror movie. <laughs> it has a. It's a vampire. Yeah. Is that a horror movie? I haven't seen it. No. All right, let's let's hit <laughs> our. Uh, with, with both. Let's hit our number ones, okay. baby. Oh, sorry. Did you have? Sorry, David. I was looking down. Oh, did you have something? Uh, I was gonna say. Uh, I think with 
with both the father and Requiem, I, I think that what holds people back is the fact that there's no monster, so to speak. There's no enemy. There's no antagonizing yeah, intelligent force. But like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Existence is horror. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hit them. Let's hit our number ones. Uh, Austin, what was your number one? All right. So this is the one that I have to argue. Like, this is the one I will die um, on the battlefield. I will die on this hill. I will defend it with all my honor. <laughs> it is my love, my pride and joy. It, it's the only the only thing I ever need. It is actually my favorite movie of all time, which is probably why I take this so personally. <laughs> but I'm talking about the 1993 biggest film of all time until Titanic knocked it out of the park. The sci-fi horror adventure epic that Woo! is Jurassic Park. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> it's a horror movie. It's a lot of other things too, but come on. Jurassic Park is scary. It's so I think scary. it was only like a couple of years ago when I realized that people didn't consider it horror and I was just like, what? But but there, there's dinosaurs trying to eat them. Yeah. What is their <laughs> argument? Like, what is the argument that it. it's not a horror film? Like, they're like, oh, it's an adventure movie. I'm like, it's both. Yeah. But what <laughs> confused me is when people are like, I think it's more of an action. And I'm always like, what action? <laughs> definitely not an action movie. <laughs> the closest thing to action yeah. in Jurassic Park is when the T-Rex is chasing the Jeep, where Laura Dern is giving her scream queen worthy screams. You know, I mean, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum has a Jeff Goldblum quip in there because we need that once in a while. Must go faster. But I guess that's the closest thing to an action scene is that 30 second chase sequence. <laughs> and that's a chase scene, which is common in horror. Yeah. Right. But they, they are joke. running away from it yeah. pretty much the whole entire time. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They never fight the dinosaurs. They they can't. They can't fight the dinosaurs. Right. You can't fight Michael Myers as much. Yeah. Yeah. They fight Michael Myers more than they fight the dinosaurs. Yeah. They, really. <laughs> really. Yeah. And and I got so many arguments for it, but you said this was a mini sode. I'm not trying to make this a seven part epic. So I'm gonna give you <laughs> I'm gonna give you my two strongest arguments, if I may. The first okay. one is first off, you got the goat Steven Spielberg coming in with one of the greatest jump scares in any movie. And no one talks about this jump scare, but I'm about to lay it down. I, I know the great jump scares. It's Exorcist Three, it's Malignant, it's Alien, it's Jaws, Homie Spielberg getting shout out again. But Jurassic Park has an all-timer where the whole film, they're setting up the velociraptors as these scary motherfuckers, right? That's the academic term, too. Scary motherfuckers. Robert Muldoon is like, they should all be destroyed. And just talking about, you know, the raptors and stuff. When they shut down the park and they open it back up and they see the raptors got out, Muldoon's like, even Nedry knew not to mess with the damn raptors. Like the raptors are built up the entire mo at Dr. Alan Grant, like traumatizes the kid in the desert. Like, <laughs> and, and side note, and the kid's like, that's not very scary. That's how I imagine everyone who says Jurassic Park is in a horror movie. Is I just think of you're that so kid. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, back to the jump scare at hand, we have this amazing sequence where it's cutting back and forth between Queen Laura Dern turning the power back on and Lil Tim trying to get down from the fence. And the whole scene 
is a suspense scene with the question is, are we about to see a child electrocuted? And the answer Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. yes. And just when you think you can breathe from seeing a little kid just get yeeted off by being shocked by the electric fence, we push in on Laura Dern. She's finally she's happy for the first time in like 30 minutes of movie time. And she's like, Mr. Hammond, I think we're back in business. And then boom, Velociraptor, right like on the right side of her face. And <laughs> I've I've been lucky to see this film a couple times in theaters. Everyone jumps right there. Oh. People forget about it's it. It's so good. Yeah. The hill that I die on is Steven Spielberg is my favorite horror director. So I am nice. so with you there. Also I, Sam Neill. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Sam Neill. <laughs> Has Sam Neill been in a movie that's not horror? Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sam Neill's a scream king. No, I get it. And then my other my other one that's not as long, I promise. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not gonna cash a check. <laughs> I can't whatever that phrase is. Uh spare no expense. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, the other argument I make is Jurassic Park is really just the evolution from Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. And if you try and argue Jurassic Park isn't horror, then that leads to Frankenstein isn't horror. And I just can't do it. I cannot (laughs) abide by that. If you're if you're about to go up to me and say Frankenstein isn't horror, you got to meet me outside. Like that's uh, (laughs) throwing hands outside of Waffle House at 2 a.m. Like that's those words. Because like to me, Jurassic Park, like. Jurassic Park and Frankenstein are very, very, very similar um, stories. They're about scientists uh, so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. They bring back dead creatures who shouldn't be alive. And oh, wow, these abominations against nature are killing people. Who would have thought? Because you can't control (laughs) nature when you try to play God. That is pure horror, is arrogant (laughs) men trying to play God. (laughs) I could not agree with you more. And again, coming back to Frankenstein, here we are. Mm -hmm. I think people just like, the argument I've seen people make, which I think is really silly, is that it's not horror because they watched it when they were a kid. And I'm like, so? Okay. (laughs) But if I watch Hostel 2 as a kid, does that make Hostel 2 not horror? Like, come on. You're not supposed to watch Hostel 2 as a kid. (laughs) That's true. uh, David, I'm happy you said that because my number one is technically a kid's movie, so we'll get there. But first, I want to hear what your number one was. Okay. Um, (laughs) My number one's in a different direction again. And that is the Coen brothers, Barden Fink. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Nice pull, nice pull. Um, There's actually several Coen brother movies that I think could be considered horror like blood simple is very halloween-esque and has shots that mm. are like the same shots from halloween in blood simple uh no country for old men is kind of a slasher movie i'd agree there yeah i think yeah. the reason i went with Barton fink is that's my favorite of those movies um, I love Fair. all of those. I, the converters are like my favorite. <laughs> Barton Fink, if you haven't seen it, this isn't going to sound like a horror movie when I pitch it, but it's about a writer in the 1950s. He's a playwright and he moves to Hollywood and is hired to write a wrestling B movie, which like he, he cannot wrap his mind around because he's like super fucking pretentious and doesn't know how to write this stupid B movie that he's not supposed to put a lot of effort into. He doesn't know how to do that. And it's just, it's driving him nuts. And he's in this really gross motel the entire time. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a horror movie, but hmm, relatable. <laughs> um, have you guys seen this by the way? Yes. Not for a long time. I barely remember it. Okay. So in the hotel that he's staying at, 
His next door neighbor is played by John Goodman. And John Goodman, uh, he complains about John Goodman making too much noise. And then he like becomes friends with John Goodman, quote unquote. And I don't want to give things away, but this movie gets really fucking weird and just like utterly bizarre in a way where you, you start to be like, what what's going on? It never... It never quite stops to make complete logical sense. It kind of does, but you still can take everything literally. Um, right. It's a little unforgiving. It's stress. It's a stressful watch. At least it was stressful. for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's very stressful. It's also very funny. It is like a comedy as well, but in a very dry comedy sense. If you've seen Coen Brother movies, you it's, it's that style of humor. So... My personal interpretation of this movie, which I, I, I can't really defend without spoiling the film, but my personal interpretation is that John Goodman is a figure of Barton Fink's imagination who then becomes a vessel for the devil and he makes a deal with the devil and the hotel is like literally in and that, that's like how I've interpreted the movie. Yeah, essentially it's, it's watching a guy in... In his hell. It's it's yeah. it's his version of hell, for sure. It's, it's yeah. very much his version of hell. Which, like, <laughs> let's go all the way back to the beginning of the first stories, like, that were, were religious. Frankenstein. Yeah, hell. <laughs> Frankenstein. No, but <laughs> hell was, you know, created to terrify people. So yeah. I think that can kind of count as, maybe that should count as the first horror novel. <laughs> so is it kind of like Faustian, Barton Fink? Um, is it Faustian? Uh, not kind not quite um okay i'm going to spoil the movie so if you haven't seen it feel free to skip ahead a couple minutes but what happens halfway through is that uh he sleeps with a famous writer's wife and then he wakes up to find her dead next to him we never find out who killed her um it is strongly implied that john goodman killed her uh but then he goes and he asks john goodman's help in getting rid of the body so it doesn't look like he killed her and it th there's literally a shot like going down the sink drain like you're going down the rabbit hole now things are about to get fucking bizarre and then like john goodman turns out to be a serial killer and the cops are on his trail and then the entire hotel go goes into fire and there's just fire everywhere <laughs> and he just starts killing everybody it's really bizarre <laughs> john goodman can be scary yeah he can be terrifying. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Right. That's why it's so good like to have a beloved actor turn terrifying. It's such a always such a great choice. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. All right, well I'll I'll close this out of here. Um my number one again I had to go to kids horror. I think this is one, like you were saying, David, a lot of movies that we watch as kids that were made for kids, I mean, especially our age when we're watching kids' movies that were made in the 90s that were, you know, they were way more terrifying than the kids' movies of today, I will say. Um, Trolls is is terrifying in a different way, but um, <laughs> these ones, I think, were actually scary. So I had I had a few that I, I wanted to go through. I know I've mentioned Small Soldiers before on this podcast, so I couldn't say that one again. So I went with Jumanji. Oh, oh, interesting. This movie scared me so much as a kid. And I think it, it's done. Yes, it's an adventure film, but like at the end of the day, though, it 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 has a villain, it has monsters, 
Um, and just because the leads, most of the leads are are kids, I don't think we can rule this one out. You know, it has lions. What up? It has body horror. Straight up body, it does horror. Have body horror. Yeah. It has mm-hmm. bats. It has a guy with a gun. So it kind of hits. Yeah. It's a lot of things. A haunted hmm. house. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Um, Robin Williams gets sucked into a vortex. That's existential. That was creepy as fuck. Yeah. It has paranormal stuff. Why? Yeah. No one ever questions what the fuck's going on with J- Jumanji the board. Like that's literally never presented in the hmm. film. It's just, yep, we're accepting this. And we're in a supernatural world where people fucking die. It's sad too. You want your monster. The board itself is the monster. Exactly. It's the it's the possessed item. It's the mirror from the Oculus or whatever. It's <laughs> like the Rubik's Cube from Hellraiser. No, I know that. it's <laughs> a lament Cube. configuration. <laughs> I know it's a lament configuration. <laughs> I'm a horror fan. <laughs> <laughs> When I when I when I dress as Hellraiser for Halloween, I should have totally just used a Rubik's cube. Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be, that'd oh, be awesome. I should have done that. Oh man! No, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a haunted object. It it yeah, it hits so many of those horror tropes, and yet I mean, it is adventure, fine, whatever. But I would I would argue it's it's a horror film again. Just having it be based in fear and hitting so many of the of the tropes too that we see in horror that people. I mean, it's funny because people argue like what makes a horror film, and they'll mention tropes and okay well then i'll i'll use films to show that like that those tropes are in movies that aren't considered horror sometimes right they frequently are horror is like it's a really hard thing to define honestly which is why sometimes our podcast will absolutely cover movies that people don't think of as horror because what the fuck is horror anyway (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck is horror anyway and that's the thing that we always want to be Asking and exploring and, and talking about. Well, I, I know that we've maxed out on our time here. Uh, so I just want to wrap this all up. Thank you, Austin, again, for for coming on and talking about these movies with us. It's my pleasure. So, so much fun. So once again, can you plug your podcast and let us know where to find you and as well as your short films? Absolutely. Yeah. So Ice Cream is coming uh, or it's doing the festival runs right now so it's not on youtube yet but it'll probably be on youtube in a couple months uh you can find me on my socials on twitter and instagram at would you die show it's on facebook i'm on tiktok at would you die podcast but uh, i don't know what i'm doing with that for a long time i was just taking the same video clip of Gizmo and making him dance to whatever random music mashups I can find. I had a viral run, a viral run. It was like the highlight of my year. And I I had Gizmo dance to that Margarita song that was a big hit in the beginning of the (laughs) summer. Uh, That's the only time I ever experienced the high of fame. But yeah, so you can find me all... Uh, the Woody Die podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, yeah, follow me, uh, listen to me speak, or don't. It's up to you. And you also have the Indiegogo, right? <laughs> oh, that just ended. But yeah, I'll talk. Thank you for reminding me. I'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit. Um, it just ended, but we've we've reached our goal. We reached our goal. We raised Woo. the money we needed. So, um, August uh, this August, I'll be shooting my next horror short film. It's called Spider. It's exactly what it sounds like. I'm Are you super excited. Have spiders on set. I got a practical. Yeah, we got some practical spider. Um, so right. good luck. It's a spider the size of a football attacking uh oh attacking someone who's just trying to house it and uh. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> should be a should be a gnarly a gnarly short film. I love that word. So that's <laughs> my goal that. as a filmmaker is to make gnarly shit. Oh fuck yeah, I love that. And we'll we'll link all this stuff in in the show notes, um, and then we'll also be sharing it on our socials as well. If you follow us at Cadaver Dogs Pod on Instagram or Twitter. All right, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you, mutts. Peace. <laughs>